get in today's jam session, I got to tell you about this other podcast. I'm halfway through it. I had to stop to come record this. But Bill Simmons, my boss and my friend, talks to Kevin Durant, the NBA Finals MVP, about the finals and Brianna and just everything you want to know on the Bill Simmons podcast. It's available now. It's 90 minutes. I'm through half of it, and I'm honestly looking forward to getting back to the rest. And it's uh, through your exclusives. Check it out. If you want to listen to it, you've got a lot of options. There's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. It's Katy Perry week, people. We have a lot of work to do. A lot of Katy Perry to work through and Katy Perry work to do. You're right. So Katy Perry is going to be the main thing. I also just want to acknowledge the rumors on Twitter right now that Beyonce is in labor as Alert, we speak. alert. If she is. Congrats. Congrats. If you're hearing this and Beyonce has given birth, uh, we are happy for her. We love we love babies. Yeah. And I love Beyonce. And I you. like twins. Yeah. Uh, that's so that's cool. just great. And if she's not in labor or if the twins have already been born and are enjoying some privacy, good wishes all around. Absolutely. Okay. Sh- um, congratulations to the Knowles-Carter family. Yes. Great. Even if it's not happening today in advance, we'll say the same thing. That's true. <laughs> just good w- good wishes generally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, we're also, we will DTR later and share our one things with you. But for now, it's all Katy Perry. It's Katy Perry's YouTube world. We're just watching it. All right, so Juliet, I have so I have a lot of things I want to discuss okay. with you. For anyone who has uh, not um, been following pop music or I don't know the world recent, you know, cultural <laughs> events recently, uh, Katy Perry released an album last week. She did on Friday called Witness, and she has been promoting that album aggressively, for, aggressively for several weeks now in a variety of ways that culminated with. A 96-hour live stream. Yes. Where you could just watch, I mean, you could watch Katy Perry eat, work out, sleep. She also had a lot of guests. A lot. Although, I am I have a thought about the guests. Yes. Which is she didn't go for, like, top shelf famous people, but she went for YouTube famous. Yes. So she had James Corden. Yes. She had Pentatonics. Uh, I can't even talk about that, but we will. Um. It was interesting. It was like, this is a very calculated press or very calculated publicity campaign. Right. So I want to talk about Katy Perry uh, two ways. I want to talk about Katy Perry as a pop star, Mm. as an artist, and talk about the album. And then we will talk about this press tour and Katy Perry as a celebrity. Okay. Okay. Here's my album review. Are you ready? I like it. Wow. (laughs) Swish, swish is a jam. Okay. I, every time I click on one of the live stream like breakout videos, a little bit of witness plays, and I'm into it. Sure. Um, there's a slow song that I heard yesterday that is really slow. And I was like, yeah, this is pleasant. It's not. It's obviously not ever going to come to the highs of Teenage Dream. No. And or even like some I um, uh, walking on air on Prism is like probably top three Katy Perry song for me. But I, I like this album. It gets me bopping in my chair. Juliet, as always, you're a visionary and a unique <laughs> flower in the pop music opinion space. No, I don't think you're even unique. It's it's not a disaster. No. It's not um It's not a Dr. Luke record. It's not art pop, if you will, which I thought Rob Harvilla in our piece about yes. the Katy Perry Taylor Swift feud, which we'll also come back to, made an apt comparison that I think career wise this will end up being 
uh, Katy Perry's down moment. I don't think this is going to sell a huge amount. None of the singles have really charted. Swish, swish, bish. Right. It's not <laughs> unlistenable, though I, I will say, candidly, I have only listened to this album once. Mm-hmm. I turned it off several times before I made it through. Not because I was like, I'm offended by this, yeah. but just because other things demanded my attention. It was boring. Um, it At first, I found it boring, but then I kind of got into it. I don't know. Swish, swish has really been my um, point of entry. And from there, I kind of just been like, oh, Katy Perry's ac- accidentally playing in the background, and I like it. Um, but she, it's interesting, like, so she's not working Dr. Luke anymore, so, right. allegedly. Although, there was, a, there was a story on Oh No, They Didn't last week that, that got a, um, a, supposedly got a hold of the liner notes that said that she was working with, like, a company called, like, Pharmaceutical Records or something like that, that is, um, some say, is a shadow company for Dr. Luke. But she said in the New York Times she's not working with him. But she is working with Max Martin. But I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which Max Martin song, which, which he worked on. And usually I could pick him out because you just know how... Uh, how a visionary works after you such a big body of work, yeah. you know? Um, so there's not like an obvious hit. I agree with you. Although I do, I, I think Swish Swish is right. really good. I, You know, we were talking on the way over here, and you've already said it's not going to live up to Teenage Dream. No. And it's also quite obviously an attempt to reposition herself. Yes. Like both music-wise, she doesn't want to make the pure, like, taffy pop that she used to. Right. And she wants to be a little more open to the world in her own way, Mm -hmm. which she's kind of, you could argue that Prism was in a little way moving towards that. And she's always done a little bit of kind of inspiration, play this at a sporting event type music. But this is, I mean, you can't really call it political. She would call it political. You can't actually, which is part of the problem. But She did a song for the 16 Olympics, right? Over last summer. And it just totally bombed. I think so. Yeah, she did. Like, you can't yeah. even remember it. Yeah. So she's kind of, I, I think part of the problem is the, the songwriters that she, that are like making the hits these days are just kind of not in her world. Like, yeah. like they're, they're not, like she's not working with um, Tobias Gesso. She's not working with Ed Sheeran. She's not working with Julia Michaels. She's not working with any of like the real, like the people who are dominating pop, top 40, probably by choice. Cause it sounds like she's really trying to like find herself musically. Right. And that kind of, um, by necessity means she can't lean on some of these like younger people who have a lot of my favorite songs right now. I've written my favorite songs right and now. And mine too. And yeah, I it's hard to fault someone for wanting to do something on their own. Yeah. Um I don't think it's working out for her. And it's frustrating because this was the thing I really liked about Katy Perry in 2010. And it's important to say that the world was very different in 2010. Yeah. And I think you know, the situation how we receive pop music is certainly contextual For always sure. and it was like a great time to be making really dumb occasionally offensive but not real you know but very candy colored pure pop music mm-hmm. and she did a very smart thing which was she was just like i'm going to buy the best pop songs yeah and she had really good taste and presented them really well and they like Teenage Dream, I, like I ride for Firework. It's, it's really good. corny, but come on. It's also, good. just a pro tip: never do ca- Firework at karaoke. Mm. Katy Perry should not have done Firework and Carpool karaoke. I'm just gonna put that, that out. Hard there. to hit those high notes. Yeah. Um, I I I think that um, she was like a perfect fusion. She embodied a perfect fusion of like the pop industry and like the true geniuses of writing pop music. Absolutely. And like Dr. Luke, for all that's wrong with him, is obviously extremely good at writing pop songs. Like that's 
how he excels. Right. Um, and she was very good at packaging them and yeah. presenting them. She, I, I think the biggest change, and this is what I think will lead us into talking about her press tour, is she used to be unapologetic, and now she's, like, incredibly apologetic. Yeah. And one of the things that was still appealing with her about her, she was just like, this is who I am. I'm a perfect pop star. Get on board or turn, turn the radio off. And now she's a lot more um, introspective and sort of, like, she seems almost like nervous about her own positioning in the pop landscape. And, and, and I don't think that is intentional, but her, her um, deliberate attempts at like vulnerability are playing really wrong when we're so used to her being so kind of like powerful and like belting out an anthem. Yes, I 100% agree. And again, so I think we should just transition into celebrity. That was a very good segue. It's almost like you've done this before. <laughs> um <laughs> No, I completely agree. And it's hard to fault someone for trying to learn about the world. Yeah. And I, to be aware. Like, it, it genuinely, I don't think she's doing it particularly well. I think, like, most of the interviews have been extraordinarily tone deaf. Yeah. Um, and it is, like, very complicated when, when someone in such a position of privilege is sort of examining but not quite examining enough. You know, But, like, I, she's trying, I yeah. guess. One thing that really actually rang true for me um, is she, I think... I think in the combination of the Times article and on the live stream, she's like, I'm in my 30s now. I see things differently. And I I do, you know, as someone who, like, cried a lot about turning 30, (laughs) I will say there is, like, kind of like a, a, like a, there is, like, a certain kind of, like, repositioning of yourself in the, in the world where you, I, I feel like. After, when, I, when I was in college and right after college, I was like, what are you talking about sexism and misogyny? Like, everything's fine. I have a job. I'm treated equally at the workplace and at all times. I'm I'm just doing okay. But then I feel like you get older and you do start to realize, like, actually, it's all these, like, latent ideas that have been beaten into you that you don't recognize until you have, like, kind of more experience. And I do think that, Kate, like, she has expressed it very poorly and sounds really, like you said, tone deaf. But I do think there is something about being like, oh, actually, I am being... Um, mistreated because I'm a woman or something like that. Absolutely. I also, I, we know that the pop industry is extremely sexist. Yeah, and, and Dr. Luke is extremely problematic. And exploitative. Yeah, of course. And I'm sure that she has experienced that, like, just because she was very good at it for a long time doesn't mean that uh, it wasn't difficult or yeah. that she's not. She didn't see some things that messed with her. And also, you know, she. I think she's also quite obviously been through a lot personally. She got yeah. divorced. She's dated... Uh, We'll come back to the men that she's dated and their sexual prowess, but like, it's a list of guys who are not historically uh, reliable. No, Josh in- Groban though, that was a real twist. Yeah, so in the- shout out to Groban, yeah, love that in, guy. In the middle of, and this was actually the savviest thing she did all uh, during the live stream. In the middle of kind of a truth or dare segment with James Corden, um, it's a, it's- she deflected a question by revealing that the one that got away, which was a pretty good song, Deep Cut. Uh, is about Josh Groban. Great song. Um, that's a that's a uh, segment from the Corden show called "Spill Your Guts." Just so you okay. know, or fill your guts. Fill your guts. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Fill your guts. Yeah. Um, he's played it with like Kendall Jenner. It's a fun. It's a fun one. It's Cor- a, Corden wins. It's Corden a great stays segment. winning. Stays winning. Um, yeah. It's it's been interesting to like see her like work through this like enlightenment. But then on the other hand, like a major part of this press tour is her feud with Taylor Swift. And like if you're so about like women being empowered. Maybe just keep it to yourself. I'm not saying like Taylor Swift, but like, why does it have to be like a focal point? Yeah, it's the problem is when the enlightenment uh, touches like financial gain, which seems to be a real thing. Like she's definitely uh, marketing this album and herself on a level of uh, 
knowledge and learning or you know she yells all the time I don't know anything I don't know anything it's her new Twitter Twitter bio but she's she's really trying to sell this journey that she has not totally figured out and when you realize that she's making money off of it and she still isn't getting it right is when you're like I, it, that's where I start to have the problem yeah and um she doesn't really seem interested in confronting the kind of like more um, intense criticism about like her appropriations of various culture and one of the um, most most criticized moments so far has been her performance on Saturday Night Live when she yes. performed Bon it was Bon Appetit yes that's the Migos song right yeah and she hasn't doesn't really seem like interested in reckoning with that so it's a lot of like picking and choosing of right. like what am I willing to confront publicly right now and what will I just sort of like sleep away it should be we should say that she had she had DeRay on the live stream at yes. one point and then sort of performed her own monologue about her struggles to understand cultural appropriation, That's which a- is an interesting microcosm of uh, trying to reach out and then not really understanding the part where you listen and and learn. Totally. It, it's interesting that he's he's a good one to bring up because like the who was the YouTube stream for? I don't know. Because if you look at just who the guests were, it's like yeah. for people who live on YouTube. It's like for the it's for a very specific large body of people who just like live on on YouTube and like that is like kind of a world that just fascinates me cuz I don't understand it. But all of the stars that she asked to be on the show have their own followings on that platform. So it's sort of like she I didn't realize it was a formal partnership but the Times article made it seem like she and YouTube have like agreed to something. And they called her, they called YouTube a partner of Katy yeah. Perry, which like, I don't even know what that corporate mumbo jumbo means at this point, right. but she was pr- there in the Javits Center performing for YouTube. So, right. And then, and then I'm like, well, then who suggested Pentatonix? Cause it's very hard for me to imagine Katy Perry being like, I love this five sum that just became a four sum and let's only get three of them on the show. Like it was really like bizarre choices. Um, it was, it was something also, I just want to say that, uh, one Direction to this with one D-Day. Did you mm-hmm. ever, do you remember that? No. They did like a very long live stream where you could just watch them doing all these different things. It wasn't, wasn't as long, but it was um, like 16 hours or something. And because there were five of them, they kind of like rotated in and out. They were playing games, answering questions, interacting with fans. But this is like not as revolutionary as it seems. Also, did you watch, did you watch? I mean, I know you did watch it. Yeah. Um, it looked so much like the way Big Brother is filmed. True. Uh, which I think was intentional. Um. It was fascinating. As like a as like a piece of internet media, I was fascinated by it. And I was fascinated by it as an active celebrity because it's very clearly her play to be as authentic as possible. Mm-hmm. And I it's not. It's just so clearly performed from the can- camera angles as you noted to the fact of like the people who are on the show have yeah. partnerships or connections to I, and you knew what this was coming cuz I made you watch the therapy section session. So she Tough had, watch. She had an hour long quote therapy session during the live session. So she has an hour long therapy session um with a, a doctor, Dr. Siri Singh who does this on Viceland regularly. Apparently there's a whole show on Viceland where you can watch famous people have on-camera therapy session. I had no idea. I would watch that. Now I'm going to seek it out. I am as well. Uh, it's an interesting idea, and I, we talked a little bit about this. I'm conflicted because I think like therapy is good for people. Very pro-therapy here at Jam Session. Absolutely. And I think it's useful to see people and famous people even participating even in kind of a fake therapy session just to normalize it. It can help people. It's not something to be ashamed about. It's it's good to see it. Um. 
A so, good therapist wouldn't agree to filming therapy, though. Right. So this is the other thing. You're def- you're just definitely not watching a therapy session. Yeah. You, like, there is no... And that's not even really Katy Perry's fault, um, because... You know, it's not her fault that the construct of therapy doesn't lend itself to cameras, though. I, you know, I guess she is trying to get credit for something that she's not really doing. It's it's not therapy. And her performance in it is such a n- summary of the ways in which she thinks that she's being very authentic and open minded and is just kind of re- repeating platitudes. And it's you can see the performance on a level that's extremely uncomfortable, but also I don't think helpful to her celebrity. It didn't make me like her more. No, me neither. It also didn't really have any like insight. It didn't seem like she like unlocked anything. Right. It sort of seemed like there was a line of questioning that she knew was coming. Whether she did or not, it was so surface that it seemed like she could have like prepared yeah. for it. And I feel like the New York Times article by Karen Gans that came out today does a good job of pinpointing these moments where, you know, she only speaks in platitudes. There are no real specifics. She's kind of talking in a monologue the whole time yeah. that she's rehearsed. Um, and it's so interesting, right, because we spend so much time talking about being a good celebrity now is yeah. actually being available and doing that performance. And celebrity is a performance. Like, don't get me wrong. No one is actually authentic because when they are presenting their Instagram or their live stream or whatever to you, it's a choice. They're, they're performing. But I would have said that... Katy Perry like doing this would be better for her and I have walked away from this press cycle being like oh, this was a disaster yeah I I'm, I don't know if the YouTube live stream was a good idea but I'm like happy she did it for my own personal yeah I think it's a fascinating text yeah I don't think that it will ultimately you know be a win for her because there's just there's too much. Yeah. We we may have discussed this last week, I can't or two weeks ago, but um she performed at the BBC Radio One Big Weekend. Right. And she did like a whole set. And it was interesting watching that where she's basically kind of wearing like a slip dress. It you know, her stage presence is very similar to Halsey right now, which I think is bad for Katy Perry. Um she kind of looks like her, kind of like mm-hmm. stole her style in right. some ways. Yeah. And she's dressing very similarly to her. And she was wearing kind of like a sequin, or like a shiny slip dress, but also like a long cape over it, which I guess is a style now because I saw Aisha Curry wearing one to the NBA Finals Game 5. Okay. Um, but it was interesting to have that image and then read this article where she talks about changing her stage show and moving away from kind of like the whipped cream bikini um, and just sort of like she's trying to not be as hypersexual, but I just think it's a different kind of sexuality, still hypersexual. I mean, like something that is not sexual would be, I don't know, like wearing sweats, like in a very unironic way or like just wearing a regular outfit. Like I'm wearing at work right now, but it's just like, it's like a repositioning of her sexuality. It's not really like hiding it or trying to like take it out of view. Um, which is just interesting to me that like the way that she's discussing it, like sexuality is very specific to her. And she thinks that she no longer has that or is claiming to. I don't know. Because I'm like, this is still, this is still quite sexual. Yeah. There's a lack of self-awareness throughout this. It's yeah. very tough. And it's a – well, I think there are some situations where you need to be self-aware, including when you're talking about uh, social and political issues yeah. and cultural appropriation that you have committed. And that's just like plain badness but that she needs to work on. The lack of self-awareness when it comes to who she is in the world was actually, in the pop world, was actually useful to her around mm-hmm. Teenage Dream. And now the fact that 
she thinks she has it, but she doesn't. It's just kind of, it, it makes it all the more uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. And she's undermining like whatever repositioning she's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of like the, um, the intention is noble, which she would be happy with. Cause apparently she says like, it's all about intentions, but the execution is poor and off, off base. It's yeah. tough. Should we talk about the Taylor Swift aspect? Well, yeah, it's an interesting comparison, right? Because everyone has spent the last year dragging Taylor Swift for being overmanaged yeah. and uh, fake. Right. Uh, that's not looking so bad right now. I know. <laughs> also, um, so Katy Perry's album came out last Friday, and at the same moment it was released, Taylor Swift put all of her music back on Spotify, which is just like a real... I honestly it's think like a, it's a masterstroke. I do, too. I'm like, it's incredible. Good idea. She didn't even have to say a word. Which I, I I honestly think the longer that Taylor stays out of the spotlight, yeah, the better, the better, because everyone else gets to make their own mistakes, as we watched Katy Perry do the past couple weeks. And yeah. then here's the thing about Taylor Swift: if I genuinely believe if she comes out with a good album at this point, all is forgiven. Mm. All is well, would you say? All is yeah, all, <laughs> all too, too well. well. Uh, <laughs> I I mean, it would have to be, again, it would have to be the right kind of, it would have to be a self aware album. She can't release an album of just of you like you motherfuckers were yeah. so mean to me yeah um i also think the one problem for Katy perry is that she hasn't she's been working on her image and like who she is as a celebrity she's not even working on her on herself as a musician that's the thing <laughs> if the album was good we would not be having these yeah. conversations or if she was or even if she was like oh look i play the guitar now or i play the piano now I'd be like oh that's interesting that's like a real focus on like developing your skills but it's not. And that's actually really separate from the direction that pop music is going, or at least for solo acts. Because pretty much every solo act kind of oscillates between, like, just singing with the band and then, like, taking it down a notch and, like, sitting down at the piano. And I, I think, I mean, Lady Gaga is the best at this because she's an incredibly talented musician. She is. Um, but it's just kind of become standard. Like, for every the, – the other people who are kind of not doing that right now are, like, Selena Gomez and Halsey. And they have gone in a different direction with their songwriting than, than Katy Perry has. Yeah. And they just – I mean, Selena Gomez has the advantage of being so young, and yeah. her fan base is still kind of in a malleable. Yeah. Besides you and me, we're not malleable, no. and we're definitely in Selena Gomez's it, fan I'm base. In. But, I'm in. I'm Yeah. But, you know, it's like you you're allowed to grow up to a certain point. It's hard. I mean, Katy Perry was extremely successful in the way that she is probably most suited to being a pop star, like eight years ago. Yeah. And she doesn't want to do it anymore, and you can't blame her. But she's not fit for this moment in pop music and what yeah. we want and of. A musician, of a celebrity, of a, a famous person. It's just, it's not her time. Totally. And that's tough and unfair, um, but also the facts. Yeah. I also, um, I think she's just so pretty. Like, I was saying this to you before. Yeah. And I, I think that hurts her in some ways. Like, kind of like, like, this is separate to me from the sexuality conversation, but sort of like leaning away from her prettiness, I think also hurts her pop star, star value, which is harsh but true. Because that's part of what she was selling, or yeah, because, yeah. I mean, I when it, we were talking about the sexuality, I was just kind of like, I that's inherent to yeah. Katy Perry, which is not a bad thing. Sex is not bad, but having being exploited and not yeah. feeling in charge of it is bad, and I think that that's what she's talking about a lot, um, and that's entirely valid. And you know, but she's very, she's extremely sexy. Like yeah. I get it. <laughs> she's it's, a babe. I, you know, you, it, it is hard to look past. Um, I don't know. I wish her well on her journey. I do too. I, Lindsay Zolad's made an interesting point in the piece that she wrote, which was kind of like Katy Perry has been trying to position herself as an underdog and someone who doesn't have it figured out for a while. 
now and that was always hard to believe mm-hmm. and um you can believe it at this moment right that's a good point so good point know, Lindsay. yeah so maybe there is maybe she can figure it out i wish she would hire some real songwriters me too me too you just just get tobias jesso in your corner just one you know what would really help her a little adele dust get adele on a on a duet with you. I was thinking, the whole time I was watching the carpool karaoke, I uh-huh. was just thinking about how much easier it was when Adele did this. And That's because she's the truly a queen. She's truly a queen. The singing, you know. It, First of all, she's a, like in a different order of magnitude in terms of talent. And second, quite true. And second of all, she, um, by all accounts, is really bossy. And it's funny. Like, she is a boss. And... No one ever says that about Katy Perry. And people actually say that about Taylor Swift, too. Like, she's very specific or whatever. And Katy Perry doesn't have that rep for whatever reason. Um, but it's just there's just no emphasis on Katy Perry's, like, skill in music. And I think that is, like, kind of coming up right now. It's tough. Yeah. She had it. I know. She had something. She definitely had something. Also, there's so many wonderful vocalists who I don't give a shit if they are good musicians or not. Like, I'm the person to be like, I fucking love you because you can sing well. All I like is a good acoustic cover by a good vocalist. And Katy Perry just sort of, like, doesn't doesn't lean into that, even trying to become, like, the best singer she can be. Even, like, Justin Bieber, you know about, like, his vocal coach or whatever. We know so little about Katy Perry's craft for whatever reason. I think this album is uh, that reason. I think we found out why. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I, I wish her well. Me too. There's also like just a lot of really good pop music right now. And I, I, I put Swish Swish in that category, but that's the only one. There's so much good music on the radio right now for her to contend with. You and I are very here for Julia Michaels. So here for Julia Michaels. Uh, I am really just like still loving Bad Liar. I'm really into the Nile song, my a surprising One Direction solo act favorite. Can't believe it. Um, I don't understand that. I, I Harry forever. I just don't like his music that much. That's fine. I don't really either. That's not what it's about. <laughs> it's literally never what it's been about with because he figured out the other part. Um, I yeah, and then there's just a lot of good tunes out there. Ed Sheeran still trucking along in the radio. Sorry, and Katy Perry's just not. She's not in the pop zone. I'm sorry. No. Not in the top 40, for me at least. Um, okay, we're going to talk more celebrity. But first, let's tell you about Hotels Tonight, our sponsor. If you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead or you like impulse vacations at all times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got great news for you. Oh, yes? What's that? There's this awesome app that you actually told me about, so I know you know it, called Hotel Tonight. It's that a great helps one. you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. It sounds counterintuitive, but unlike flights, hotel rates usually get cheaper at the last minute. Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass those deals along to you. These aren't last resort places. They're actually cool, top-rated hotels you want to stay in. And with so many awesome partner hotels in a ton of different countries, Hotel Tonight can help you find a great hotel almost anywhere. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or finally going on that trip you've been wanting to take for a while. If you're like me and you really enjoy sitting in a giant hotel bed and watching movies on AMC. I do. I really do. Caught the Godfather a few weeks ago in a giant kingside bed. Um, This is perfect. You can indulge that whim. Even though the app's name is Hotel Tonight, you can book up to a week in advance. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. So get in on these last minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. We have neglected to discuss uh, development here in L.A. that we haven't talked about. 
few weeks ago on a Sunday, there was a school play starring the child of Tobey Maguire and his extremely wealthy Hollywood heiress ex-wife, Jennifer Meyer. Mm-hmm. And um, much like you might see in a fictional television show, all of the stars came out for this elementary school play. It was a production of Beauty and the Beast, and that included Leonardo DiCaprio, Courtney Cox, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kevin Connolly, uh, just like an all-star crew, including the famed Pussy Posse, obviously, to support Toby. And it's just bizarre. It sort of doesn't get any better than that. And for some reason, I think it happened on a Sunday and there and there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of great photos, so it kind of went a little under the radar. But this might be the greatest celebrity event of twenty seventeen so far. It's true. So I also want to note that Lucas Haas was also Yes, there. sorry. Um so here's my first question, Juliet, about this. You said a school play. Yes. There has been much debate, and I'm looking at the Daily Mail article uh, that brought this to our attention. Okay. It does say school rendition of Beauty and the Beast in the mm. headline, but uh, Daily Mail does, is fast and loose with its facts, as in it makes them up a lot. Um, in the article, it says a children's production of Beauty and the Beast. Okay, well, I'm really glad you brought this up. I did a sweep of all the schools on the west side yes. to see who was putting on Beauty and the Beast yes. because surely this would be posted on a school website. Right. I couldn't find it. Yeah, my, I also did this and came to the belief that it was a local uh, community theater oh, production of Beauty and the Beast, which would honestly make a little more sense in terms of everyone that your kid has ever known showing up. Yeah. It's very weird to show up to this school production. There are a limited amount of seats. The kids, the parents need the seats. Um, This is also a really um, nerdy and dumb thing to say. Yeah. But for schools to do like a production of a certain play, if it's like official, I think there's like a certain fee involved. And I would guess the Beauty and the Beast fee is very high as a result of the movie recently coming out. <laughs> so like kind of some kind of like unofficial like community thing makes more sense to me. But I mean, you know, super well-funded community theater, I guess. It's definitely yeah. the community theater from Big Little Lies. What but an, as we know, yeah. <laughs> they do get Broadway productions. They do. Yeah. Love Avenue Q. Okay. Um, when I was five, me and my friends did a production of Guys and Dolls. So just so you know, in the community or no, in your living room, in a living room. Like, Who were you? My our, Adelaide. All of our parents oh, like came. So I was like very insistent on what my outfit was. I was just really, I Do was you into know, it. Guys and Dolls was the first uh, musical that I ever saw live, and I love it. When just, you see a guy, yep. was, yeah, it's just the best. I love, I love musicals. I can't wait for your uh, performance of Adelaide's Lament <laughs> um, in our office Come, later. Coming later. Um, who do you who would you say is the most famous person to attend this play? Leo. Leo. Okay. Number two, Gwyneth. Yes. Number who's number three? Kind of wide open when you get to number three. Like, is it Toby Maguire, Spider Man? You gotta figure Courtney Cox was in people's homes every day for ten years. Or every week for ten years. Still is. We were we were talking about what to do, uh, what next show we should binge here at the yeah. ringer. And I was like, Friends. People love friends and still watch friends. It's That's very really popular. True, though, then our entire staff will die. I know there's so many episodes. Yeah. But people love Friends. I love Friends. I watched an episode this week. I do too. I mean, I, we grew up watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would have to. I would put Courtney Cox number three. Yeah. Above Tobey Maguire. I know he was Spider Man, but people don't love. Do people like those Spider Mans? And then they don't like the Andrew Garfield ones. They're really good. I'm not really into block. I'm not. I used to be into blockbusters. Not really anymore. But I loved those Spider Mans. Okay. The, I remember the first one. I remember A.O. Scott's like ode to it. And the first one came out, and he was okay. like, "The Queensboro Bridge doesn't get enough attention. Finally, a movie showing off the Queensboro Bridge." 
<laughs> I was into that. Uh, it was. It, this was a remarkable Los Angeles happening. This is kind of like when you move to LA, what you think is going on every day. Imagine being the little kid who played Lumiere. Oh, I just in can't. Beauty and the Beast, or I don't know why I said Lumiere. Imagine being any of the kids. Lumiere I, was the first name I remember. Yeah, it's, it's um, an important part of Beauty and the Beast. Makes sense. And you look out and you're staring at Leonardo DiCaprio. Just incredible. How many songs from Beauty and the Beast do you think Leonardo DiCaprio knows? Two. Which two? Tales of Oldest Time. Okay. And um, probably Bonjour, 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 Bonjour. <laughs> well, I recently I went to go see uh, Beauty and the Beast. I really want to see it. As in my capacity as a professional culture person. Um, I did not realize that I knew every single word to the opening song. It's many people's favorite Disney movie. Yeah. And also, in many ways, one of the least problematic. Here's what I just want to say. Yes, I would do. guess that Leos knows the chorus of Be Our Guest mm. and then just does like, and probably Tale as Old as Time. Yeah, I mean, we all love Angela Lansbury, every person on the planet, right? That's true. Another nice part of the new movie was that. Emma Thompson gets to sing mm. in the movie. Mm. Nice. That is very I nice. I like that for Emma yeah. Thompson. That is nice. I'm going to see that. It was fine. I mean, I've heard it, I heard it's rentable now, right? It's available for me to watch that my own home. That sounds right, yeah. I'll, I'll be watching it this weekend. Okay. Now that the basketball is over, I've got a lot of time. Very exciting. Um, Let's move on to our weekly segments, beginning with DTR. Okay. Hot mm. new relationship in the, in the NBA, speaking of. It's actually not new, but now confirmed. David Lee of the San Antonio Spurs. And Caroline Wozniacki of, what's the name of the organization? The USWTA? Yeah. Thanks. Okay, good. I was going to say, like, the United States. And I was like, well, she's not American. Anyway, hot new couple. They've been vacationing in Sardinia. So I assume that means he's not watching the finals or he didn't watch the finals. And she certainly doesn't even know that what R-O-R-Y spells anymore. She's expelled that name from her mind. Um, her former fiance, Rory. Yeah, no, I know. Okay, <laughs> I am. I'm extremely aware he he Just ended it, did, He ended it on the phone, but it was a brief phone call. Yes, as opposed to a text message. Yes, it was a brief phone call. And okay, then very harsh. And then she became Serena Williams's best friend, supposedly. I, I assume still friends. Yeah, and yeah, this is an exciting one. I think it's real. I think I believe in it. I looked at some pictures, I and it, they are definitely in Sardinia together, and it looks quite nice. She so. also. Um, had pictures of him like walking off the court with her. She's okay. been to San Antonio wearing his jersey. Okay. Um, seems very real. See, yeah. I I think that this is a big get for him. To be honest, she's kind of like at the top of her at the top of her field. Even if she only recently came back in the top ten. She yeah, she's in the middle of her field. But right she's now. but she's it's got, a tough time in women's tennis without she, Serena. But but yeah. she's got the Serena glow. You know, she's a celeb. He's, she's a celeb. he's not sure. It does that has not helped. It like. Her past six months of tennis, no shots. I mean, to Caroline Wozniacki, I'm glad she's happy. It's important to have life outside of work, but she'll admit it anyway, because yeah. she's like, "Oh, I'm back in the top ten. It's been a while." Um, David Lee was on the 2015 Championship Warriors, no longer on this team. So he won the first time. Yeah. As a, did he lose last year or? Um, last year he was on the Dallas Mavericks, which was okay. just kind of an L in general. And this year, no, he wasn't on the team last year. If that was okay. your question, and um. Now he's on the San Antonio Spurs, at least for now. And I think this is a really big look for him. I think this extends his presence in the sports consciousness for a long time. That's exciting. Yeah. Congrats to him. I, but this is this seems like a real one. I'm happy for them, I guess. Their vacation looked really nice. It looks very nice. I'm happy for Caroline after the whole Rory debacle. Yeah, totally. He seems like a real jerk. Has she had any other notable boyfriends since? 
I don't know of any. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. One thing just can't stop thinking about. You go first. Okay. Uh, did you follow Oprah Fennelgate? No. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to tell you about this. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right. Do you like fennel? I just need to know. Uh, in the right context. Okay. It's a good base for a lot of, like, uh, soups and stews. Sure, and yeah. Then in a so salad. you like it cooked better than raw? I like it cooked better. That's why I was asking. Yeah. A little too licorice-y. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you know about Harvest Day? Yes, I do. Okay. So if you don't follow Oprah on Instagram, you should because, I mean, she's Oprah. And also because uh, she regularly, she has a feature called Harvest Day, which is when she poses uh, with various produce that she has grown on one of her farms. I think that she should have um, timed it to coincide with May Day, but that's just a personal opinion. Well, she does it all the time. I know, but I'm just, I feel like um, a May 1st one wouldn't Yeah. Hurt. Um, <laughs> She always looks so excited about the tomatoes or eggplants or whatever she's grown on Harvest Day. It's really very exciting. Also, if you're an amateur gardener like me, it's really inspiring. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, Oprah recently posted a Harvest Day. And the caption is, what to do with all this dill? And it's a giant basket full of fennel. <laughs> now, in Oprah's defense, the top of the fennel does look a lot like dill. And I can't tell you... That I would have known the difference. I mean, you can sort of see the fennel bulbs, which is kind of maybe giving you away. But listen, I, who among us has not confused herbs and things before? That's really generous, Amanda. Whatever. I'm, I'm not perfect. That's true, but fennel does not look like an herb. The top of it does. I guess. Was it cut off? No. It's like <laughs> it's attached to the bulb. It's fine. So it's definitely fennel. And the reason we know this is because Jamie Oliver shows oh, yes. up in the comments. Yes. I'm going to read you Jamie Oliver's quote. Wow. There's not enough Jamie Oliver in my life. This is great. That's fennel, mate. I love it roasted. Slowly fry it until sweet. Very finely slice it for salads with great olive oil, salt, and pepper. It's delicious. Enjoy. The only punctuation there are like weird commas around the slowly fry it part that have spaces. So that's fennel, mate. And then... A whole thing erupted over whether Jamie Oliver was like insulting Oprah in the comments about the difference between between dill and fennel. Please allow me to defend Jamie Oliver. I don't know where people netted out on this, but I feel like the inclusion of mate seems very condescending and rude, but that's just his native tongue. That's how he talks. I agree. It's also, I'm with you. Well, if he says just that's fennel, then he's doing like a well actually, which you yeah. don't want to do. And then he immediately segues with no punctuation into a helpful recipe, which I think <laughs> j- turns this into a learning opportunity yeah, for everyone. It's a mind share. A yeah, mind I meld. didn't know that you could fry it. Can I offer you one more fennel fact? Please do. Did you know that wild fennel is indigenous to Los Angeles and is all over the damn no. place right now? Are we you... have a ton of wild fennel in our backyard. You do? Yeah. How exciting for you in your garden life. You can't eat it, though. Oh. That Don't eat the wild fennel. Why? But yeah, it's also because it just is not. Yeah. I actually don't know whether it's poisonous, but it apparently doesn't taste good. So don't. Oh, okay. Don't go through it. How, how beautiful. It's like, Blessed be the fruit, would you say? No, that's that's upsetting. <laughs> also, fennel's an herb; it's not a fruit. If we're gonna be, if we're gonna Jamie You're Oliver right. this shit, You're right. Yeah, but it's also like in the random canyons. So, cool. if you go, like, if you go running, then you like can smell some wild fennel right now. It definitely smells like fennel. It's a land of plenty here in LA. Yeah, Harvest Day. Wow, that's me a, and Oprah. That's a good one. I'm glad I know about this now. It's, it was really exciting. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> no problem. Um, I also was one other cue for you. Yeah, and then we will. Uh, segue into mine yeah where are you at with um 
in Goop Health, the Goop conference that occurred over the weekend. Unsubscribe. Okay. Guys, be smart. Okay? It was expensive to attend. Minimum 500 Yeah. Also, just like, you know what? Go to a doctor and or the health practitioner of your choosing and talk about what's right for you. I think Goop needs to lean into the e-commerce and out of the vitamins. That's my own take. I completely agree. The real problem is that they've turned vitamins into e-commerce. Right. Don't buy your vitamins from – I mean, do whatever you want, I guess. But I think – you know, just like we check our sources when we are reading news yeah. and celebrity gossip and all other things, like check your sources on your health information. <laughs> um, another follow up for you. Can't believe you never discussed this either on the podcast or personally. Yeah. The New York Times profile of Amanda Chantal Bacon. Yeah, that was astonishing. Did you read that? I, of course, did. It was by Molly How many Young. times did you read it? I read it a couple times. I knew you would have. I was um pretty blown away by it i was like wait this is over i there's a, there's a lot more to cover here that was my my number one takeaway then i was like wow i need to find pictures of this woman she sounds so beautiful based on all these descriptions true. and then it was fascinating that molly young she like writes about um amanda chantal bacon started moon juice which is sells um ju- like juices and various kinds of dusts like brain dust sex dust like all these dusts are supposed to be like additive to your life and all of the um, ingredients like are like not fact checkable because they are so obscure uh it was a pretty shocking article for the for the wellness space i really enjoyed it you me too i thought it put a finger on a lot of the problems with all of this stuff from goop to moon juice which i have never tried though they do sell some dried mango that a friend of mine gave me once that was quite good so you know i don't know i guess i'm a hypocrite but i'm i just wanted to read this line from the molly young piece which is that what goop and acolytes like moon juice sell is the notion that it's not only excusable but worthy for a person to spend hours a day focused on her tiniest mood shifts food choices beauty rituals exercise habits bathing routines and sleep schedule what they sell is self-absorption as the ultimate luxury product which is a thing I've been thinking about all the time. Totally. And I think it's very smart. And I like I and then I say that in with the knowledge that I participated in it. So yeah, we all do. It's fine. Yeah. It was very good. You should read this article. Totally. Check it out. Okay. And finally, the one thing I can't stop thinking about is if I should hate Rita Ora or not and why the internet hates her. <laughs> because I love her new song, which is called Your Song. And like when I hear it, like I just like just like I'm having such a great time. I listened to it like 30 times in the last 36 hours. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just love it. So can you remind me why I'm supposed to hate Rita Ora? Yes. So, you know, I can't speak for everyone. Sure. Why does the internet make fun of Rita Ora? Because what has Rita Ora done? Purchased a really good song by Ed Sheeran and his collaborator. Yeah, but that Steve was Mack. like last week. And how long have you been hearing about Rita Ora? So I also liked her first song, How We Do, in 2012. Sure. I, I also remember that song. Yeah. Um, so we're just so she's just like not that's good been at five being, years. And then and then it was also alleged, I think, that she had an affair with Jay-Z. I think that was a rumor that was floating around. Okay. So she was also just generally uh a Rihanna copycat. Right. And a pretty She also dated Calvin Harris, right? That sounds right. I think before Kate, before Taylor Swift did. I almost called her Caitlyn. Um, can't you see Taylor Swift being named Caitlyn? Um, yes. Yeah, she's a Caitlyn. Hold on. I think also Rita Ora maybe dated Rob Kardashian. So here's one of the reasons. Yes, I think that's correct. Yeah, and that they had a bad breakup. Here's so, one of the reasons that people make fun of Rita Ora is because she has been in public life for five years, and we just listed like five to six notable celebrity facts, and I – 
who have an encyclopedic mind for these sorts of things, like, I don't remember any of this. It's just, like, fallen out of my brain. No one remembers her. No one can attach anything to her. So all of her attempts at becoming important and, like, a noteworthy celebrity have failed until now when she's purchased a wonderful song. Yes. I and think this is a tie turner. It's a really good song. I mean, I, I do feel like people have said that a bunch of times with Ridora, and it's kind of part of the joke is that there's been a tide turner. Uh-huh. Um, and it has not turned the tide. I, you know, I don't know. I think she has, a, she makes a lot of money. She has a lot of sponsorships. She, yeah. um, is going to be on, you know, she's a reality TV show judge. She's around all the time and is working. Oh, she's on American Idol with Katy Perry, right? Is she? I thought that she was on the fake, like, boy band. Oh, you're right. She's, she's on, on boy, boy band. band with Nick Carter, which I'll also be watching. Sure. Love the back. And Emma Bunton of the Spice yes, Girls. Correct. Um, okay, I'm in. She, okay. I think she is like so. She's 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 bottom shelf pop star. Yeah, that's, that's the what problem. it is. Okay, I'm willing to accept it for this song. And I don't know whether that perception extends beyond the internet. Like, I, you know, I I don't actually. I need to know how the people of the United Kingdom feel about her since she's British. But I will say one really poor tactical move on her part is like her two best songs are called How We Do and Your Song, which are the names of other extremely famous songs. Yes. Obviously, Elton John's Your Song's even more famous. Right. But the game had How We Do long before Rita Ora came along. Right. Big, it's mis- true. big mistake. Oh, the other bad, her other sin was collaborating with Iggy Azalea on Black Widow. That was a tough one. Yeah. Okay. So there's not a lot of pros to Rita Ora. However, the song is so massive, as they say in the UK, that perhaps this will change everything for her. We'll see. Um, Listen to the song. I really like it. Let let us know what you think. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, guys. We shall be back next week. Thank you, Hotel Tonight. And don't forget to check out Bill Simmons and Kevin Durant.